Hey, history students, we're back in the studio. Today we've got probably the most difficult of uh, lecture topics that we can address. Um, something that I've done a little bit of study on, but is always uh, confounding to me as I, I read more about the Holocaust. So our objectives are pretty clear. I'll make sure that you get the slides up. Uh, the Mission Possible essay is uh, straightforward. Why does this take place? Who's to blame? There's some surprises there and what impact did the Holocaust have on, on the people involved. And that can be both victims of it, people that survived it, and people that were involved in these camps and moving people around. Uh, in the case of, uh, it's not just Germany, by the way, uh, but civilians as well. Okay, so then I've got three pictures there. Uh, these were pictures that I took while I was at the Holocaust Museum in Skokie and then the one in Washington, D.C. Um, and actually, the first of these is actually in France, uh, is the uniform, you might call it, that Jewish people were made to wear in these death camps. Uh, they look kind of like pajamas. Um, and really powerful image, right? Uh, the second one is is more powerful in the sense that you walk through these railroad cars and these railroad cars were used to trans people, transport people in these death camps. And uh, you really, uh, it takes you a while to process that. As well as the last picture, and this is from Washington, D.C. Um, those are all shoes. You probably can't tell that, but those are shoes of victims of these death camps that uh, materials that they left behind. And it, uh, it is, again, hard to really process that. So where does this story begin? Does it start with Hitler? It doesn't. The roots of the Holocaust are go back thousands of years. Uh, religion is probably the first place to start with. Although Judaism is an older faith than Christianity, um, as Christianity exploded in growth, um, they discriminated against Jewish people. We call that anti-Semitism today. They believed that Jews had doubly sinned, refusing to follow Jesus and then killing Jesus. Um, we have to note that Jesus is actually Jewish. Uh, so the logic here doesn't really work, but we're not too concerned about the logic as much as we're just concerned about how they saw things. Um, Jews were forced to convert and they were often humiliated by wearing certain clothes or uh, certain um, things on their clothes that would de uh, denote them as being Jews. Uh, Protestants were no different. Uh, Martin Luther, the person that we talked about long ago in this class, wrote on uh, a pamphlet on this saying, On the Jews and their lies. That's pretty straightforward. <clears throat> He's not hiding anything there. He was anti-Semitic as well, all right? There's something called a blood libel that Christians believed in that was a forgery, but again, logic doesn't really uh, take, uh, you know, isn't important in this in the sense that uh, uh, people weren't buying into it. So this blood libel believed that the Jewish people consorted with the devil and actually sacrificed Christian children. So you could see if you believed in that, in that drawing there, um, that how, how it would be easy to be anti-Jewish in that case, okay? Uh, Jews were expelled, uh, expelled from countries in the 13th, 14th, and 15th uh, centuries. 
as it was illegal to make money off of other people, interest off of other people. Uh, that was an occupation that became open to them, bankers, but with the bankers, uh, violence uh, followed because people didn't like the fact that they were making money off of them, so another reason to dislike Jewish people. Unfortunately, this is still a stereotype today that Jewish people are all involved in money, uh, the money industry. Um, the march towards the Holocaust, the next uh, slide, which I'm on 10, uh, it's a weird picture here. So what I'm trying to get out of this is that the Holocaust does not mushroom out of, or even the, um, the killing of all Jewish people does not just mushroom out of Hitler's head. Uh, as probably as obvious is that you learn things, and as you learn them, you absorb them. <clears throat> and racism, sexism, anti-Semitic, ism and any other negative ism are things that are learned they're not born with those traits so hitler absorbs those in the culture uh, specifically vienna we talked about him and being wanting to be a painter at the time there's a large uh, movement or there's a large belief in this city of uh, the jewish people are bad people and in this comes to a head even before that with darwinism that we talked about before uh, Darwinism is the belief, you know, kind of the, although Darwin didn't say this, the, the struggle or the, the struggle, the survival of the fittest in things. And so there was the belief that, you know, certain groups were better than others. Of course, Hitler blamed the Jews for losing World War II, uh, but he was not the only one that was also condemning them. People like Henry Ford, who had a paper called the... Uh, Dearborn Independent uh, wrote about the international Jew and the foremost problem. Again, he's not like Luther. He's not hiding behind something. He's not trying to say, well, you know, I don't like them. He's out there bold in front, you know, uh, making his, uh, his ideas known. He's actually given a German medal. You see a picture of him there. The next slide um, is another American hero in all of this, Charles Lindbergh pilot that's famous for crossing over the Atlantic, the first to do so. Uh, he gives a speech in Des Moines, Iowa, and he blames people for wanting to get pushed the United States into the war. Who does he blame? Well, he blames FDR, he blames the British, and he blames Jews. Now, you could ask yourself uh, another logical question. Why would Jewish people want the United States involved in the war in 1941? It's the Holocaust, Okay. Uh, they may not know everything that's going on at the time, but they've got enough indications that things are really bad and they want the United States to step up and do something about it. Um, so, again, a lot of people uh, were involved in this process. Really, you know, everybody at some level, okay? Uh, the next slide is probably uh, one of the more important ones. Hitler, we know, believed that the Germans were uh, uh, this Aryan race, which he believed was a master race. So uh, I want you to understand that about 600,000 Jewish people lived in Germany at the time, the 1%, about 1% of the population. 
So Hitler's argument, if you wanted to you lose some, use some logic on it, was the master race was being outsmarted by the inferior race that was only 1% of the population. So the 1% was outsmarting the 99%. How's that possible? Well, it doesn't make any lo- sense. There's no logic to it, but I guess Hitler wasn't all that you know, interested in logic either. Hitler does become in power. I'm not going to go over the steps here, but I've kind of listed them out um, as to how he does this. What he does is very similar to what he did in the war. He nibbles around the edges. He doesn't go after it. He doesn't say, well, we're going to kill all Jewish people. He never says that. Uh, he blames them for a lot of things. He discriminates against them. But he takes this in chunks, so pieces. And people were willing to support this. So it's really, really important to know that although Hitler's behind this and his you know, his leadership, uh, his the people that um, are advising him, uh, his advisors, he's not the only one that's buying into it. There's, this is palpable in in Germany at the time. The people are okay with this, largely, okay? Not everybody, but many people were, okay? So there's the steps, one, two, three, four, you can read five, all of those, okay? We'll go over those in the collaborate session. Uh, Jewish uh, people did have options uh, in Germany, and those options were submit, which 44% did, or emigrate to another country. So it might seem odd to us that, you know, people would submit to this. Well, you have to understand they didn't, didn't know what was happening. They didn't know the end of the story that we know. And who wants to leave their family and friends and job and everything else that they had? They had to think that things were going to get better. Those that did immigrate, their best friend was the New York phone book. Why? Well, the New York phone book had a lot of Jewish names in it because a lot of Jewish people lived in New York City at the time. So if somebody could find somebody that had the same last name as you did, you would write them and ask them to sponsor you to come over to the United States. 21,000 of them did that between 41 and 45. Clearly, that number is pretty small comparative to the millions of Jewish people that lived in not only Germany, but all over Europe. Okay, The final solution... Uh, that Hitler developed. At first, he thought maybe he could turn you know Jewish people into like a reservation system, send them out to Madagascar, which is on the east coast of uh, southern Africa. There, um, that idea went away pretty quickly. He turned to the SS uh, uh, Einstein Gruppen, which means action squads. And you can see pictures of people there, including uh, a terrible picture of a lady with her, her kid that she's holding and then being shot, and another man looking at us and also being shot, looking down at uh, the bodies that he's going to go in. So the Einstein group had people actually dig graves and then line them up and shot them. Okay. As Germany moved into Poland, that's when this thing really got going because, uh, again, not a lot of Jews were in uh, Germany, but a lot of them lived in Poland and then in um, the Soviet Union, Ukraine and that area.
You can see more pictures of people. Looks like one guy's actually being shot as this is being taken place. These are photographs that Germans did. Why did they take these pictures? Well, I think that they were pretty proud of what they were doing. Okay, this was the Einstadt Gruppen again. Okay, more pictures of just hundreds of thousands of people just lining up, sitting there being shot, and then falling into a mass grave, which were found later. Uh, the brainchild behind the concentration camps was a guy named Eichmann, Adolf Eichmann. Uh, the story of him is really interesting, and there was a movie made on him. After the war, he is actually uh, he actually gets out of the country and goes to Ar- Argentina. Uh, Catholic bishops actually help him to do that. And eventually, uh, later on, the Mossad, which is uh, kind of like a special, kind of like a CIA a little bit, of Israel, finds him, kidnaps him, and takes him back to Israel and he's tried and then hung there at age 56, 1962. So he lived a long time afterwards, lived a full life uh, to that extent, while many other people died. He did, not, he did not suggest that the Holocaust did not happen. He just blamed everybody else because he said he was just you know, doing his job. He was told to do certain things, and he just did those things. Okay, as they move into Poland, and Poland had half a million Jewish people alone um, in the city of Warsaw. Uh, they started compacting all those people into these ghettos. Okay, so they forced relocation. So they forced a half a million people into an area that was really made to hold 50,000 residents in all of this. Uh, the Pianist, which is a movie, if you ever get a chance to see that, really powerful movie, a disturbing, if I can find the clip that I'm looking for, just be aware that if, if you watch it, you know, you, you really have to um, be aware that it's going to be hard to swallow. It's not unlike other movies like Schindler's List and stuff like that, uh, that are well worth watching at least once to understand what the Holocaust was really like. Spillman was a, a great pianist, and his experiences are documented in this film um, of the Warsaw Ghetto. Okay, There was more than just um, Jewish people. There's a whole group of other people that were also taken to these death camps. These death camps, on you can see on slide 31, that they were in what would be Poland, Today, they were not in uh, Germany. There were other camps, though, work camps that basically did some of the same things, work people to death, but they were not death camps. Those death camps like uh, Auschwitz were put in, were uh, in Poland, again, because there was a large population. Uh, in the next slide, you'll see the map of Auschwitz, the most famous of those. They actually had, uh, you know, camps for, for them, they had soccer fields and other stuff. Uh, they called soccer pitch. Okay, um, so they made you believe when you came into this camp, and that the words on top of this uh, gate there actually means works liber- work liberates. These camps were you were brought in thinking that you were going to work. You had no idea what was really going to happen. So when they got to these camps on uh, slide thirty four. 
you would they would tell you to bring a suitcase, just one suitcase. And they did that just kind of as a bluff to say, well, yeah, you'll think that you're taking like a vacation and you're going to come back, right? And once you got off these railroad cars, they would tell you to go right or left. Typically what happened is anybody that was older, uh, anybody that was disabled at all, and children were often sent right away to the uh, gas chambers. Those that were not were processed. Their hair was cut. Uh, there's numerous stories about women, you know, children running into their own moms and not knowing that it was their mom because their their hair was shaved. Those shavings were actually used in pillowcases, believe it or not. Uh, the picture that you have there shows you a box, and there's actually barrels of these of human teeth. So after they died, they would pull out, extract their teeth, especially anything that had any kind of fillings in them because many of the fillings back then were made of gold. So they process all of that. Their survival of people is a story that uh, is well documented in a book called The Night um, and is something that I think we often overlook is how people overcome obstacles. And we, as bad as things were in the Holocaust, it's amazing to me that people could actually do uh, could survive that much more challenging than anything we face today, right? Uh, there was a resistance movement. Schindler was one of those. Sigari was another. He was a diplomat, a diplomat in um, for the Japanese. And even though his country told him not to do it, he uh, provided six thousand visas that we know of uh, for Jewish people to get out of the country. Uh, in 16 hours, in fact, as he was leaving on his ra- railroad car, uh, he was still writing out these visas and throwing them out the window. So there were people, Wallenberg was another one, there were people that ultimately did um, you know, try to help Jewish people in this case. So who's to blame in this? Well, you know, governments, clearly, including the U.S. government, the Vatican or religions in general, uh, but it might go beyond that. Uh, Dr. Buckholz, who's a professor at Loyola, said it began at the dinner table in the line waiting for the bus and what people taught their children in the home and in the classroom. It's a learned behavior. It also demonstrates to us how fragile Western civilization or human beings can be, can be that we can make these terrible mistakes over and over and over again. So... Maybe let that sink in. There's a lot to digest there. Obviously, anybody that didn't take action against the Holocaust is ultimately involved in the Holocaust. The numbers are staggering. At least 6 million. Could be a much higher than that. At least 100 or 1.5 million children were involved in this. Was it unique? Again, I'll leave that for Dr. Buckholz. Uh, and his quote there, never before had an entire people, including its children, been earmarked for systematic extermination, regardless of citizenship, by a national government. How do we know all this? There are people that deny the Holocaust. Well, we have diaries of people like Anne Frank and the book I told you, The Night. We have the Allied soldiers, like the American soldiers that came in and, and saw these camps for themselves. But really, if we have nobody else to thank for this, we have the Nazis to thank for this. 
They were great record keepers. Those pictures that you saw were from them. Film footage is from them. They were proud of what they were doing. They wanted to show and keep that for history. There were people beyond Jewish people that we already talked about. I'm going to try to find some film footage on some of this and and post it up there. But there were, during the 1930s, a famous boxing match between Joe Lewis, an African-American, and Max Schmeling, a German. The Aryan race against the inferior race. And he won. The the, um, Schmeling won in 1936, but there would be a rematch later on. Before that rematch, let's just talk about the Olympics again. We talked about that last time. Jesse Owens won four medals at the Olympics. This did not go over very well, did not follow the the storyline that the Hitler and the Germans were hoping for. Joe Lewis would fight back, and in a match held at Yankee Stadium in 1938, where 70,000 fans watched and over 100 million people listened, he won that in just 124 seconds. Uh, if we had a chance in this class, you know, Night is one of those uh, fantastic books. I mean, it just uh, it's it's really hard to put down if you get a chance to read it, and it's such a great story of how somebody can survive all of this, and gives you just the um, background of what it was like to live through the Holocaust, especially in Auschwitz. Okay, what's your assignment? More to come. One of the things that comes out of the war, maybe unsurprisingly, um, is music and culture, a change in culture. And so those people that lived through this era also started to explore their creativity side. In groups like the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and the Who and Pink Floyd and numerous other groups come out of the, uh, of England during this period of time in the 60s. So these were the babies that were born in the 40s. And so we're going to explore them next. Uh, your assignment is to take one of those, any records, an album by any of those groups. Uh, I've got Led Zeppelin too there, one of my favorites of all time. And I want you to listen to that and just respond, make a response. What did you find interesting, exciting, and confusing about it, if there's anything confusing about it. But pick any of those artists, just pick one of their albums, listen to it, write a response, you get points for that. You can't beat that. Listening to music and getting getting credit for it? Are you kidding me? Okay, well that's all for now. We'll uh, look forward to catching up with you uh, guys later on. Have a great day.